So I think you're tracking with me that uh, we have been looking at our core values uh, this month, the things that we uh, build our ministry on here at the church, what we're made of here at Medina Naz. We live to love people to life. Why do we do that? We value four things. And so we've told you that those things are an intimate relationship with God, investment in relationships, involvement in ministry, and I think you're tracking that this is the fourth week, and so we are on indulging in laughter. Nobody's laughing. Okay, no, that's okay. It's good. Uh, those those first three they they seem pretty spiritual, right? Um, the fourth, maybe maybe you're going ah, scratching your head a little bit. I don't know. We, we, I mean, we've gone deep into the importance of of developing an intimate relationship with God and and the importance of investing in relationships with other people, to, both inside the church to receive encouragement and support, and also outside the church in order to uh, to to bring them in. And and we've uh, talked to you, I've talked to you about getting involved in ministry. Bringing the kingdom of God to earth through who God has made you. He's made you specifically uh, unique uh, and he's made you for a purpose. And so you need to fulfill that purpose and your unique calling in, in ministry. And we've, we've, uh, we've, we've gone deep on those and they seem really, really, uh, you know, like spiritual and stuff. And then, then we get to indulging in laughter and we go, well, should that really be on that list? Uh, well, Pastor Pete might have eaten a little too much turkey. We're not sure. Should, should we really hold dear the desire for an atmosphere of fun to permeate our time, our life together as, uh, as the body of Christ? And I mean, I even have to admit, as I was heading into, I mentioned to a couple of different people, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm figuring out as I'm heading toward this sermon, is there really a whole sermon in that? Uh, do we, you know, is it just, I mean, was the vision team kind of getting off the rails a little bit when they came up with this one? What, where, where, and after walking through all of that, I actually, I think this could be a series in and of itself because uh, all throughout uh, uh, scripture, uh, we, we have this uh, import, the importance of uh, not just fun or laughter, but joy. Uh, the joy of the Lord in our in our experience with God. That that video uh, through during the offering, life is a journey. Enjoy the ride. I, you might think that that sounds sacrilegious, uh, but but I'm I'm telling you, and stick with me here because as I I hope you'll be convinced by the end of our time together today that it's not sacrilegious. Laughing is actually. Uh, all through scripture, it's okay to have fun at church. Can I, am I allowed to say that? Can I say that? We're gonna, I'm, I said it anyway. Proverbs 17.22 is the central verse. We're gonna look at a lot of others today, but Proverbs 17.22 is the central verse in, in the new uh, international version. It says it this way, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. The message paraphrases it this way, a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. In other words, laughter is an essential part of the prescription for an abundant life. We live to love people to life. Part of that life is, is the joy of the Lord and a cheerful heart. 
a woman went to the doctor and, and uh, had her medical examination. The doctor wrote out a prescription and then was ex- explaining it to her. And, and he said, okay, well, you're gonna take the green pill with a large glass of water when you first get up in the morning. And, and then uh, fill this one and, and you need to take the, uh, the, 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 the red pill uh, right after lunch uh, with a large glass of water. And then right before you go to bed, you're gonna take the, uh, the, the, the blue pill uh, with a large glass of water right, right before you go to bed. And the woman was getting worried at all these pills. And she said, Doc, what, what's, what's wrong with me? And she, he said, you need to drink more water. Um, so the prescription, somebody got that. That was good. The prescription today isn't you need to drink more water. The prescription just might be that you need to laugh more. Uh, that, that, uh, that, that laughter, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Now, up front, let me just, let me just lay it out there. Up front, I know that not all laughter is holy. Okay, so just laughter in and of itself is, is, not, uh, is not necessarily what I'm talking about. Not all laughter is holy. The Bible does warn us about humor that is harmful to us. We need to avoid, according to Ephesians 5, we need to avoid obscenity, foolish talk, and coarse joking, which are out of place, but instead replace those things with thanksgiving. So, so in other words, there are some things that we shouldn't laugh at. So I, I, I get that. And, and I also know that some situations don't call for laughter. I, I, I get that too. I, I don't wanna make light of painful circumstances or, or deeply spiritual times or sacred, holy, somber moments. I, the, the, we, we, need to, we need to have those. But, but I think a lot of people have the notion that, uh, that followers of Jesus just can't or shouldn't have any fun. And, and I say, hogwash. <laughs> uh, that, uh, life is, is, is too serious and the, and, and the truths of life with God are, are so amazing that, 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 that maybe we can't help but laugh. We can't help but have a great time. So Proverbs tells us that, that, that this is a prescription. A cheerful heart is a prescription for a healthy life. Science over time has kind of caught up to that. Uh, they, they say that uh, the effect of, of laughter on the body is immediate. If you laugh, uh, immediately, you're, you're, you, one of the effects is that it lowers blood pressure. It reduces stress hormones and, and it increases uh, the, our, our muscle flexion. Uh, laughing increases your resistance uh, level to infections. Uh, laughter triggers uh, endorphins and uh, uh, they're the body's natural painkillers and, and produces a general sense of, of well-being and, and feeling better. Uh, in, in the United States, laughter is actually used in some cases for pain management and, uh, and, and terminally ill cancer patients have actually uh, been encouraged to laugh and those who do that uh, are found to be more tolerant of the pain that they're going through. Laughter is good medicine. Maybe you, uh, you know this, maybe you don't. What, what happens when you laugh? Well, when you laugh, 15 facial muscles contract and there is an electrical stimulation of the zygomatic major muscle. That's the muscle that extends from your cheekbone to the corners of your mouth. And uh, currents varying in, uh, well, it raises the corners of your mouth, obviously, when you, when you laugh, a person smiles. Uh, the, the currents of varying intensity produce a wide range of facial responses, and you've seen a wide range of facial responses when people laugh, right? The, the respiratory system is upset by the epiglottis half-closing, and so the air intake occurs in irregular gasps rather than calm breaths. And under extreme circumstances, the tear ducts are activated so that while the mouth is opening and 
and closing and there is a struggle for a, a sufficient amount of oxygen intake, the face becomes moist and often red. Noises often accompany this odd behavior, uh, quote, ranging from controlled snickers, escaped chortles, and spontaneous giggles to ridiculous cackles, noisy hoots, and uproarious guffaws. My uh, wife's grandmother used to have a sign in her, in her room that said, I laughed so hard, tears ran down my leg. And that's a whole other, uh, a whole other experience during, uh, during laughter. Laughter, laughter has been held in, in high esteem, uh, by people over the years and through many walks of life. Just a few quotes. Uh, Teresa of Avila, she was a Spanish nun and, uh, she had the quote, she who laughs lasts. Uh, just, uh, she, she would, uh, bring these, uh, uh, nuns into, uh, the convent and, and she would look for, for, uh, uh, girls who could, uh, who knew how to laugh, eat, and sleep. She believed that if they ate heartily, they were healthy. If they slept well, they were more, uh, more likely to be free from serious sin. And if they laughed, they had the necessary disposition to survive a difficult life. She who laughs lasts. There's a Jewish proverb that says, what soap is to the body, laughter is to the soul. Mark Twain once wrote, laughter is the greatest weapon that we humans possess, and it's the one we use the least. Abraham Lincoln, if I do not laugh, I should die. Uh, Henry Ward Beecher, mirth is God's medicine. Everybody ought to bathe in it. Milton Berle, laughter is an instant vacation. Alan Alda, when people are laughing, they're generally not killing each other. Uh, Victor Borga, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. And Quincy Jones once said, I've always thought that a big laugh is a really loud noise from the soul saying, ain't that the truth? Uh, so we encourage laughter, we encourage laughing, indul- laughing, indulging in laughter in the church. We, we want to develop and promote an environment where fun and joy take place when we gather together. There's going to be humor, and, and we're never beyond laughing at ourselves as well. The, the life lived for God, the life following Jesus, led by the Spirit, is a life of joy and gladness. So we need to live like it. Unfortunately, not all churches operate that way. There once was a little girl who uh, was visiting her grandmother for the weekend, and her grandmother went to an old-fashioned country church where, uh, where they had strict rules and stricter people. And um, she woke up on Sunday morning that weekend, and she was whistling a happy tune and playing with her dolls and, and dancing around. And her grandmother uh, heard all that ruckus and, and uh, stopped her and said, we don't, this, is, this is the Sabbath. We don't do that kind of thing. It's not a day for fun. And stopped her. Uh, I mean, this was a day for, for church service and long sermons and hard pews, and it's not a day for fun. Well, she stopped uh, out of fear. She quieted down, and she went to church with her grandmother, and she experienced all those things, a church service with a long sermon and, and hard pews and, and a lot of stern people. Later, she, uh, she, she went out for a walk uh, after, after uh, they got home from church and she was walking out by the barns and she found the old, uh, uh, the old droopy-eyed, sad-faced, long-eared mule. And she looked at that mule for a minute and she said, Mr. Mule, you look like you go to my grandma's church. Have you met any mules <laughs> that uh, seem like uh, the joy of the Lord is the, the last thing on their mind instead of the first thing in their hearts? 
I mean, I get it. We, we, we need to take God seriously, certainly. We're not making light of, of our spiritual lives. But over and over and over again, life with God is described in Scripture as a life of joy and blessing, not a sour, negative existence that has sucked all the joy and laughter out of life. Nehemiah, uh, in the Old Testament, Nehemiah told the Israelites, uh, they, were, they were beginning to, uh, to, to get... Um, uh, to be convicted over some of the laws that they weren't following. And, and Nehemiah, and they're starting to cry about that and weep. And, and Nehemiah said, whoa, whoa, no, this isn't a time for weeping. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You've heard that. We, well, we say that from time to people quote that or even put it on mugs and put it on the wall, right? The joy of the Lord, that's where it comes from. Nehemiah says, hey, no, wait. Following God is, a, is, is an experience of joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, Abraham and Sarah, uh, maybe you remember them in the Old Testament. Uh, back in the day, Abraham uh, followed God his wife, Sarah, uh, Abraham's 100 and Sarah is 90 when they have a baby. I mean, that's funny right there in and of itself, right? Uh, some of you might say, no, that's not funny at all. What are you talking about? There's no way. I mean, just think how old they are sitting at graduation. And no, I'm just now. Do you know that, you know, you probably, maybe you know, uh, Abraham and Sarah, uh, Sarah laughed actually when, uh, when, when they, when she heard the guy say, hey, you're going to have a child and, and she just laughed and uh, then she denied it because she didn't want to get in trouble, but she still laughed and they actually, they named their son Isaac, which means laughter. Uh, they actually named him Laughter. Uh, it, it's pretty, uh, I mean, and it's just, again, it's like laughing so much at the, the amazing grace and, and, and infusion of, of joy uh, from God. In, in Job, despite all of the problems that Job went through, Job was encouraged by the words of a friend uh, toward the beginning of that book. And a friend told him that God would indeed fill his mouth with laughter and his lips with shouts of joy. Psalm 126, we looked at uh, already today. Uh, it's, a, it's a song of joy and praise. God bringing his people back from captivity. It says, our mouths were filled with laughter. The Lord has done great things for us. And because of that, we are filled with joy. In Proverbs 31, the woman of noble character, uh, one of the things that What's told about her is that she laughs at the days to come. In other words, she's, uh, she's got it under control. She, no, no problem's gonna, gonna thwart her plan. She laughs at the days to come. In Proverbs 15, 15, it says that the cheerful heart has a continual feast. I don't know how that, how good that is, uh, in, in relation to a cheerful heart is good medicine because the, if I had a continual feast like I had on Thanksgiving Day, I wouldn't be very healthy, I don't think. But, uh, but uh, it, it, it's, it's, this, it's this joy and uh, this celebration, a continual celebration with a cheerful heart. Romans 12, 8, uh, we're encouraged to show mercy cheerfully. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it tells us to give to others with a cheerful heart. Joy is, is mentioned and encouraged two, over 200 times throughout Scripture. Joy and laughter, it's not a trivial, or an unholy thing. That being said, I already know, I, I can hear in my, in my mind the, uh, the objections. Well, how can I be cheerful when there's so many problems in the world? Or, or how can I laugh when eternity is at stake? Or, or how can we have fun when there's so much sin and, uh, and, and its effects in this life? And, and I guess as I, as I look at all those things, my, the, the short answer is, well, it's, it's all about a different perspective. 
I mean, because of all that God has, all, all that God is and all that he has done and all that he is doing and all that he has promised to do, how can we not be filled with joy and gladness? It's a matter of perspective. Maybe it has a little bit to do with uh, the difference between optimists and pessimists, uh, looking on the bright side or, or, or looking on the not so bright side. Uh, they say that an optimist invented the boat, a pessimist invented the life preserver. An optimist invented the airplane, a pessimist invented the parachute. An optimist laughs to forget, a pessimist forgets to laugh. Maybe you've heard the story about a child psychologist who wanted to observe different children and how they dealt with negative circumstances. And so he, he got a room, one of those rooms, you know, and they have the, the one-way glass on, on one side and then they got this room and he filled it with, uh, with uh, horse manure all piled up all over the place. And then he put the, the, this child, 10-year-old boy who, who uh, was known to be rather, rather gloomy and pessimistic and, and he, he uh, led the boy into the room and, and said, I'll be back in, in just a minute. And then he left and he went behind the glass to watch and see what happened. And the boy understandably whined and cried and uh, just freaked out by all, all the, the, the manure around him and, and uh, complained and held his nose. And I was just, it, it was... So then next, the, uh, the, the child psychologist got a, another 10-year-old boy who was, who was known to be rather upbeat and optimistic and, and uh, led him into the room and said, I'll be back in a minute, and then went behind the glass to watch. And, and this little boy, it took a minute or two to assess the situation. But then uh, as the psychologist watched, uh, this boy, instead of whining and holding his nose, he began kind of jumping around the room and digging in the manure and, and, and do, and I mean, just kind of the t- psychologist didn't know what in the world was going on. He went back in and he said, son, what okay so calm down what are you what are you doing he says oh man with all this manure there's got to be a pony in here somewhere (laughs) i've heard this poem for years i don't know where it came from or why i even know it but twixt the optimist and pessimist the difference is droll while one perceives the donut the other perceives the whole uh so is this is this just an issue of looking on the bright side of life and we just need to Get out there and be positive. I think there's more to it than that, right? Maybe that starts us down the road, but it's, it's not just ignoring problems. I mean, it, it, it's got to be more than that. I, I did read this week that, that a child on average laughs about 400 times a day and an adult on average laughs about 15 times a day. And we could deduce a whole lot of things from that we could say uh well we should laugh more we should we should or we should we could say uh well maturity as we know about the things in life kids are you know ignorance is bliss and so they're happy because they don't know about all the problems and all the things and so as we as we mature we realize that life is not just this or we could say wow jesus told us to be like little children i wonder if that has a little bit to do with with that i God's prescription for us isn't that we never weep or grieve. I mean, Ecclesiastes 3, uh, you, you probably know the bird song more than you know Ecclesiastes 3, but there's a time for everything, a time for every season under heaven. And part of that is that, uh, that, that there's a time for both weeping and rejoicing. So I'm not saying that we just go around skipping through life and, and we're just positive and Pollyanna all the time, but, but uh, it's, it's not necessarily looking at life from a positive or a negative perspective, but it's at looking at life from God's perspective. See, I, th- I think that, that a lot of... of Followers of Christ have forgotten that what we carry in our lives, what's spelled out on the pages of Scripture, 
I mean, it's called good news, right? And it, and it is good. It's, it's the best news in all the world. What a travesty to think that we could make the good news dull or boring or depressing. Oh, I've got to go to church today. Oh, man. Oh, really? Well, how in the world could, could the church gather together every week and celebrate God's love and grace and his work in the world and not have joy while they're doing it? Uh, if we're really focused in on that, I mean, it's the best thing in the world. God loves you. We could stop right there and have joy for eternity. God loves you. The God of the universe knows who you are, created you, knows you by name, and loves you. Uh, you can have a relationship with him. Uh, you can go to heaven. Uh, you can be pure and holy you can you can accomplish amazing things for God and it's the best news ever and we've got to have joy about that uh, maybe we we can think about that in terms of the other core values so there's four core values we we looked at the at the whole list there a little bit ago I mean at the core we value an intimate relationship with God investment in relationships and involvement in ministry and in a very real way those three if we're doing those things, if we're investing, our, if we're de- digging down deep in those three things, it's going, to, it's going to end in, it's going to result in indulging in laughter, uh, living lives of joy and gladness. It's an abundant life. And you say, I don't know. I, I don't, how can I laugh when I'm... Uh, it's an issue of perspective. You're looking at life from your perspective, not from God's perspective. I can laugh. When I know that I'm a child of God, if you're filling in blanks, that's coming up next. I can laugh when I know that I'm a child of God. First John 3, 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Yes, there's sin in the world. Yes, you and I are guilty of sin. We fall short of God's best for our lives. And that's why God sent Jesus and he paid the penalty for that sin. He provided for our salvation. And so we, when we accept him, when we believe in him, we are adopted into the very family of God himself. And we have all the rights and privileges of sons and daughters of God. Sounds like pretty good news to me. Romans 8 puts it this way. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that We are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So be glad, (laughs) express your joy, laugh. You are a child of God. How can I laugh? How can I not? I'm a child of God. I can laugh when I have deep-spirited friends. We're walking down that list of... uh, of uh, core values. When, when I have these relationships, the church, the body of Christ, we've seen uh, uh, over and over again, the Bible emphasizes the benefit of the importance of the community of believers in order to bring encouragement and support and to keep each other accountable. We need each other. We, we help each other. Uh, as our vision team met, there was one phrase that, that came up that, that said, we, we need to have, we, we need to have 2 a.m. friends. Is that what it was, right? 2 a.m. friends. Well, that basically is we, we need to have people if we had a problem, we wouldn't hesitate to call them at 2 a.m. And we know they'd probably pick up. <laughs> or people that you know, if they called you at 2 in the middle of the night, whatever time, if they called you in the middle of the night, 
you wouldn't ignore the call and go back to sleep, but you, because you're, you're on that level, you're there for each other. You're, you, it's, it's, it's what we looked at in Philippians chapter two a couple of weeks ago, that, that we need to be deep spirited friends with each other. When, when, when God has put his church together, part of the reason is so that we can help each other pursue him more. And, and, and so when, when we have those friends, when you have those deep spirited relationships, we can, we can laugh. We can have joy no matter what we're facing because we're not facing them alone. We're facing them with others. I can laugh when I know I'm on, when I know my mission. Last week, uh, we, we, we talked a lot about uh, being involved in ministry, uh, bringing the kingdom of God and his will uh, to the world where you live. What if instead of bemoaning the fact that there are problems and pain in this life, you take joy in the fact and the privilege that you could be part of the solution to those problems and to that pain? You are God's personal, personally crafted masterpiece. And he is accomplishing, wants to accomplish his will in the world. That's, it's mind-blowing to think that the God who created with a word the entire universe knows you by name, formed you uniquely, and when he formed you, he already had a purpose laid out for you and he wants you to do good works. He's prepared them in advance for you to do. He wants to bring his kingdom and his will to this world through you. Pretty amazing stuff. <laughs> Blows my mind so much that it makes me laugh (laughs) because God had okay that was a fake laugh no I'm just kidding I mean it's of course it's hard of course it's 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 beyond what you can do on your own of course it's it's draining at times but but there is joy in serving God and being a part of his mission and allowing him to accomplish his will through you there's joy in that maybe maybe the bottom line is this I can laugh because I trust God. I'm looking at life from his perspective. I trust him. See, God has a plan and we can trust him even if we don't have it all figured out. See, that's the issue of, of looking at things from our perspective versus looking at things from God's perspective. God's perspective is a little more encompassing than ours, wouldn't you say? Uh, I see things that are right in front of me. Uh, I see what's next right here. God sees the entire picture of eternity. Okay, so he's got a little bit bigger uh, perspective in, in how things are all gonna fit together. Uh, it, it, this speaks a little bit to that second part of Proverbs chapter uh, 17, verse 22. Uh, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Or uh, in the message, gloom and doom leave you bone tired. I mean, it's easy to get discouraged when we see the doom and gloom in the world. Uh, it, it's real. I, I'm not diminishing it in any way. We see it playing out 24 hours a day on all the news stations and, and everywhere else. All, it's all the more reason, I think, to trust God in the middle of it, believing that he is still working, knowing that I can't see everything, but I'm gonna trust the God who does. Romans 8 says, and we know that in all things, 8.28, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We don't always see what that end game is, but we can trust that God is still working because he's promised that in all things, good, bad, and ugly, and everything in between, in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
for our light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not our perspective and not, not what I see right in front of me. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen, God's perspective, that's what's eternal. It's not just a positive perspective, it's God's perspective. It's an eternal perspective. Outwardly, things may appear to be falling apart. And I don't have to be happy about it, but I can trust God that his plans will come about in the end. And there's a deep-seated joy and peace in that that only God can bring. You know, there's one other reason, I think, that we need to be people of, of joy and laughter and that is that, um, that I've read the end of the book. Did you know that God wins? <laughs> you, know, you know how it all turns out? I don't know if you've read, maybe you're one of those people that reads the end before you're, you're weird if you do that. But um, just kidding. Don't, don't take, take that personally if you're that person. God has a plan already in place. And he is in charge of it all. If we are on his team, we win. (laughs) The devil is overthrown forever. Sin will be no more. Heaven and earth, a new heaven and a new earth are coming. Revelation 25, uh, just a glimpse of it spells out here beginning in verse three. Uh, Revelation 21, three through five. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who has seated, who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Woo! Right? Right? I mean, that's, that's gusto right there. That's, that's joy. That's, that's, that's happiness. That's, that's, uh, our mouths are filled with laughter and our lips with shouts of joy. Glorious news. We're trusting God. We're following him and we can live lives of joy. Jesus followers should be the most joy-filled, fun people on the planet. We're not ignoring the problems. We're seeing things as they really are. From God's perspective, we are seeing things as they really are. We have a relationship with God. We're part of the family. We have deep-spirited friends that are helping us on this journey. God is using us to accomplish his plans. Amazing. And in the end, he makes everything new. He sets everything right. Why wouldn't we be filled with joy? Uh, it, it's, 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 sometimes it's a daily decision to look at life from God's perspective and not from mine, right? Because the stuff in front of us can seem overwhelming and insurmountable. Please, today, don't hear me diminishing your problems or pain. Hear me saying God is still in charge and you can trust him. And in that, you can have joy. Joy unspeakable, scripture says, and full of glory. There's a song. I think it's in one of those hymn books. Have you heard of those? Some people use those. Usually have pages and stuff. Uh, Joy unspeakable and full of glory. The half has never yet been told. What if we could live with that perspective? I think King David summarizes it well in Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12. Will you stand with me? And maybe um, maybe this is our benediction of sorts. Our, uh, our marching orders.
so to speak. King David is, uh, is, is celebrating what God has done in his life. And I wonder if, <laughs> if recounting those things in your life could do the same thing for you that it did for David. He says in Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12, God, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Core value number four. (laughs) And I don't apologize for it. It might need to be number one. I don't know. Core value number four, the result of one through three, indulge in laughter, not because everything's great, but because God is, <laughs> because we can look at life from his perspective and not just from ours. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the gift of laughter. Thank you for the encouragement that we receive from the body of Christ. Thank you for the, the, uh, the good news of a, pos- of a relationship with, with you that is possible, <laughs> of a promise of eternity, of, 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 of your promise of making everything new in the end and, and getting rid of, rid of, all, of all pain and heartache and and, and sin, Lord, we, we thank you and we praise you. And Lord, I pray that as we go from here, that, that one thing that we are characterized by is that we are characterized by joy and laughter and celebration, not because of our circumstances, but because of you, even in the midst of our circumstances. Father God, we love you. We thank you for the abundance of life that you bring. And we thank you, Lord, that as we turn the corner now and and start walking the days of of Advent toward Christmas and celebrating the coming of Jesus and and looking forward to his coming again, Lord, I pray that you you would fill our hearts with anticipation and longing to experience your presence fresh and new in our lives. Go with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.